Hakeem. And I'm Crystal. And this is Eat, Sing, Carry. You may know us from absolutely nowhere. However, join us as we discuss our personal experiences, popular culture, spirituality, and other topics that we have a hard time addressing. In a nutshell, we will talk about anything from drag queens to Jesus and everything in between. Eat, Sing, Carry starts now. So, I have a church medley for you today. No, you don't. I do. Let's talk about G-O-T. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be about the church. Let's talk about church. Drop it low (laughs) for Jesus. Hate you. Oh, drop it low <laughs> for you. Jesus. Oh, 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 drop it low for Jesus. You say you want to drink, do drugs, and have sex tonight, but I got church in the morning. <laughs> this your church man. They're like, say you want to do drugs to have sex tonight, but I got church in the morning, church in the morning. Welcome to Eat Sings and Carry. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> welcome to Eat Sings and Carry. That was the church medley. You had a bad. Not computer. I kept you, but you cool, real. Okay. For, but for real, that last song I sung, the last song I just sung. That's the DJ, right? The Chicago Kid. Oh, when okay. I first heard that song, I was like, you say you want to do drugs, drink, do drugs, and have sex tonight, but I got church in the morning. So I was I like, can't do that tonight. <laughs> right, but I can't do it tonight. Maybe the night before, but not tonight. But not Saturday <laughs> night. Or even Friday night, whenever I got church. You know what's funny, though? That's real. You used to say that quite often. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be drink. Tr- I got church in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and what's so funny is now I think about it, that's a real thing people go through. I got church in the morning. I got to holler. I got the same, and I got to holler. And some people got to do a line. They don't want to do it the night before church. So, yeah. That's fact. Drink, do drugs, and have sex. And that's not in the equation before they go to church. So I know he's on the Terrell show. Really? He just did it. Uh-huh. Ooh. I like his voice is really weird. I thought it was auto-tune the whole time. No. That's BJ's voice. That sounds like auto-tune. Yeah, yeah. That's how I do it all the time. You say you want to drink, do drugs, and have sex tonight. <laughs> do it again. But I got church in the morning, church in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn idiot. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm done. What are we talking about today, homies? Home skillet. Well, Let's first of all, perusing through the internets, the black people's internets, the white people's internets, the people of color internets, the Asian internets. Okay. What you saw? Since it's our, our church episode, uh, okay. Juanita Bottom's been in the in this in the news. I don't want to touch Juanita. Juanita's just gonna be Juanita in them sheets forever and a day. No more sheets, no more walls. What's the name? What's the name? Of the <laughs> Whatever her conference used to be back in the day. Then the whole guy rebuking Kirk. And why did he rebuke Kirk? I, I think it was bad because something about um. Wait, wait. His um. Excuse me. Yeah. Can't get it out. Get it together. The um. BT Awards. Just him dancing and just being Kurt. What Kurt been doing since the 90s. Since Stomp. <laughs> and all my people say. Stomp. 
And my auntie say, okay. I promise the stomp, the whole since. stomp, nothing but the stomp, it ain't over. I remember that song when it first came out. We had, I think, our first family reunion when we got together. Since then. Right. They played that, that doggone song the entire time during the family reunion. When What's I tell you I was tired of stomp, it was salt because, you know, she was super saved and she was like, I'm keep not them talking high. about. But uh, what's the song? Again? Let's talk about sex. She said, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, I she said, saved and sanctified. And filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm, She's not talking about why that mother mind a good man. Or what was what? If I want to take a guy home with me tonight, it's not a yoke. She wasn't going to do that. She said she doesn't do that anymore. She was reformed. Um, But Sister Kim, the Burrells. Back in the news again. We bike, we bike, <laughs> we bike, 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 bike again. <laughs> Surprise. I'm back, girls. <laughs> but no, it's just her usual rants in the pulpit. Same old Kim. Same old Kim. Well, it was the same old G, but same old Kim. But anyways, but um, honestly, what she said, I was like, okay, Kim, girl. I think right. she's just trying to get a rouse out of people. But it was kind of like, for me, it was kind of like picking on a scab that's like from 2017. When that whole Ellen DeGeneres, she got removed from Ellen DeGeneres situation and the Pharrell song and... Um, I think she got removed out of the credits and, of the movie. Oh, yeah, and the BMI Trailblazer Award and all that stuff. It's all stemming from that. I'm just kind of like, we back at this again? Why? But my biggest issue with it was, it was like, oh, I had this such and such a thousand million dollar whatever edifice being built in Houston. And, and you said, look, you see me, I ain't missing no meals. Man, we see you're never not missing any meals. It was just like the arrogance behind it. On top of it, it's kind of like I'm tired of hearing the whole LGBTQ plus situation. Okay, girl, you don't, you feel some kind of way. You told me it was going to hell in 2017 and all this stuff. Okay. But my thing is, why do we keep bringing this up? It's over. I don't listen to Kim like that. Like, when I listen to music, I'm never like, ooh, let me put on a Kim Burrell track. I honestly can't sing a whole Kim Burrell song. I'm not going to take the daughter can sing Kathoka. I don't know her music, so I mean, I know her like I little her, her a, appearances on people's stuff. So, I mean, I'm kind of like, like, I'm not missing song, out not song. listening to Kim Burrell. That's my song. Now, you're going to hell for that because I know exactly what you're referring to. <laughs> Okay. That was Drew's fault. Wasn't but, it Drew? Yes. <laughs> you got it. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm not going there with you. Anyway, but I'm just tired of hearing it. I'm just and my thing is like the arrogance. I'm just a girl, like you just really arrogant. That's that's the biggest issue. I think is no one can do what Kim does. No one can do it. That's what she said. That's her whole And I beg to differ. Don't like, try to be Kim. I'm Kim and nobody can do what I do. Y'all thought I was going to get up in the scene, but I'm going to preach y'all and teach y'all. Heard that with my own ears. Okay, Kim. I'm like, girl! <laughs> Actually, I would have... Mm, I would prefer you singing. I'm just going to say Sing it. Because I would prefer you singing. Sing me. So don't be arrogant about that, Suge. But that's just my thing with, with her. My perusing... I'm over her now. Anyway, my thing on the internet was... Nothing about church, but that's it's fine. still funny to me. <laughs> I just think it's a it's a thing of privilege. And okay. This, and this police officer was like, I don't care how old you are or what color you are. So what happened? So this old Caucasian woman got pulled over for a ticket for her tail light, mm -hmm. and the police officer was writing her a ticket. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so he just was like, okay, I wrote you a ticket for the tail light. It's such and such dollars. Can you just sign it? And she was looking at it like, no. I'm not signing that ticket for something. She was like, I don't believe I should get a ticket for something that I could fix. I don't want to pay $80 for a tail light that I can just go over and fix. That's how and she was saying it fixed. It was country. Let me talk like I talk. Well, that's normal. But she was, so he was like, ma'am, can you just, you know, sign this ticket? She was like, no. Leave me alone. And I feel like he was like, get out the car. She was like telling her to get out the car at that point. She was like, you're under arrest. And she was like, what? No, just give me the, she was like, give me the ticket. I'll sign it. He was like, we be on that now. Get out the car. You under arrest. It's above me now. So he starts pulling at the door to try to get her out. And she rolls up the window and drives off. <laughs> so he get in her, his car, pull her over again. And he's trying to pull her out the car. She got the door locked. He finally gets it open. <laughs> he pulls her out the car and tells her to put her hand behind her back. She was like, no, I'm getting up. He was like, no, you're not. And then he shot her with a taser. And she hollered. <laughs> 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 She's still talking he, trash. Why she get saved? He was like, "Get back! Put your hands behind your back!" No, I'm getting up. <laughs> Ooh, so that's stupid. Ooh, I was tickled. I'm getting How up. How many times did you watch? About it? five times in a row. I'm getting up. No, you're not. You're gonna get it again. Ah. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? Yes, he's gonna and get she, it again. He gave it to her and she stayed there. Ah, she would not put her hands behind her back. She stayed there rolling. I was tickled. So another situation that happened with the officer and this black guy. Okay. I don't. I, I don't like. I can hear with the girl because the girlfriend was recording. Allegedly, the girlfriend. And it was another stop. But it wasn't for a tail light. But all I can hear them say, the guy was like, "Hey, you asked me to follow you." And then you stopped me. He's like in the back of the car. His hands is up. He was the whole time he's talking. He's not like hollering. And he's like, you know, you asked me to stop. And the guy was like, and it's like it's a it's a big gap in between him and the officer. So there's no aggression or whatever. And he already called something. You could tell. It's him talking on his radio. And um, he's just like, you know, keep telling the guy to put his hands behind. Now he's telling. She's trying to arrest him now. He was like, why you told me to follow you? Which I was kind of like, you're not supposed to ask nobody to follow you and then have them just stop them like that. I'm just thinking. I'm like, wait a minute. So, of course, the girlfriend's, like, recording the whole thing. And he's, getting, he's like, I'm going to tase you type thing. I don't know, was it a taser or a gun? Whatever he has something drawn out on the black guy. Next thing you know, his, his, he's like, his help comes. He's like, like, you can hear the girlfriend say, I'm glad somebody else is coming. Then they hit this de-escalated situation. No, this officer came and just, like, snatched the black guy, the one that came up for the, for the assistance. Snatched the black guy up and it, they were trying to slam him or whatever. And they, Of course, he was resisting. But, yeah, so that happened. And the video kind of comes off. And I was just kind of like, here we go. But then I'm like, you've asked him to follow you. So I called one of my friends who's doing like the little police academy or like the Citizens Academy to get a better understanding. Because he's like, you know, since he's been through that whole Citizens Academy thingy, he's like, he's un- he's understands more about what goes on in the back, behind the process with the officers. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, because I was telling him, like, I think you should really do a class or something for the community so black people can be aware of what exactly to do when it comes to being stopped by the police. Mm-hmm. When apparently the, the police officer told a guy to follow him, which is, this, this should not have happened at all, according to I was talking to my friend. He said, it shouldn't have happened. He should have never told him to follow him. He said, I could tell you it was already sketchy from the beginning. And so he was like, I was like, tell him I think you should really, should really do a class because he's really passionate about public safety. And I think a lot of times I think public safety or other stuff, like a whole, public safety is a big, big idea of things. Mm-hmm. So, 
He was saying whatever the officer called in his radio is why the other officer responded like they did. Depending on what the call was, he could have said it could have been aggression. That's why they react like they did. Like if he he should have he had to say something to make the other officer think that it was something like threatening okay. for him to act like that. He say that's normally what happens. The officer the officer that came in was only responding to the call and whatever is, whatever and they don't they don't, they don't have no, they don't. Whatever's called, they don't look at the situation and be like, oh, say, yeah, you see, you see somebody that was my first thought, too. There. No, whatever he signaled the officer to do is how they respond. Okay. Stupid. So the calling officer had to be the one that said it. Initiated. Said it yeah, it had to be aggression or what initiated how the other officer acted. Gotcha. And so I, the, to me, it was just, that was funny. Now, yours was funny, but it just made me think that I think the black community should be a little more... We should have classes like that to know for people who have gone through like the whole, because he learned a lot in like the whole Citizens Academy because, you know, of course he wants to go into policy and all that stuff, but you have to go through the whole ranks. He wants to go through the ranks of being an officer and all of this stuff. And I think it'd be wise if we have something in the community so let us know what we need to do when it comes to things like that and what can't we do and what shouldn't we do. Uh-huh. Okay. To make sure these things like and I think a lot of times if for black people, I'm not going to just put on black men, black people's kind of like, I got my rights, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't have to do all this, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's about us keeping ourselves safe. Right. And we already know there's a target on our back just because of the color of our skin or whatever it is, depending on where you are as well. So I think that would be helpful for our community. But I, was, I took that to a real, like, serious note. But I thought about that was my one of my conversations this week. One of my friends got saw the video. And I was just like, I want to know what could have been hap- what could have happened for this guy not to get slammed on the ground like pinned and like just manhandled like this when he was literally just like you asked me to follow you and I did your I followed your instructions now officer you're being the aggressive one so it's kind of like your word against mine we know how that happens at this point I think dash cams for individuals is becoming very important because working in claims like I work in claims Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and a lot of times dash cams change the whole outcome even for you, say like for a motive, like a motorist. Yeah, we should have those in our cars. Do you yes. think so? Okay. A lot of people have their own dash cams now. Okay. And because it records the convers, it can record the conversations. It records a lot of stuff, and it, it can protect you in a situation where someone is saying, like a person in authority is saying, "You did something." Whereas my dash cam showing where you told me to do this and you did that. You could turn your body camera off at any point and say it mal, quote unquote, malfunctioned. Interesting. Never thought about it like that. Yeah. Because the way they got some back streets around here, I probably need to get back to this <laughs> Like, go home. i put it like one of my old professors. He wore his phone around his neck like a, like a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that thing on. Dash cam. Body cam. What's up? Interesting. But, yeah, this is my thought today. Now, another funny thing that was perusing through the web this week was... um. The Drop It Low for Jesus video. I haven't watched the video that yet. That you just but got done singing. Yeah. Drop It Low for Jesus. Real song. It's out there in the people's world. I really thought it was fake. I did too. I watched No Carlton Banks. Like, you know, he did like a parody of it. And then I saw it again. I was like, no, this is a real song. It's on Apple Music. But I saw like a sneak peek of the video. And I was like, this look really like Donnie Simpson. BT. I'm over you. It's that. But it's on Apple Music. It's like legit. And she's getting spins because of the way social media is set up. Yeah. Definitely going to keep getting spins because it's hilarious. It's definitely. But I know the real church people are having a cow. Because she said she's going to the club and she's going to drop a load for Jesus. And it's a legit song. I know the people of the Saints are having an uproar about this. Me, it's freaking hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) And I like to see them squirm. 
She's dropping it low. <laughs> Drop it low for Jesus. Somebody need to sing that for praise and worship. <laughs> Ooh, I think people thought I was really just singing that song to be extra. That's a real. Every song I sung except Let's Talk About G.O.D. was a real song. When I go, if I went to a church and they sung that, I would probably scream from where I was sitting. Holla. <laughs> sing! Sing, daughter! <laughs> sing the song! Sing song here! <laughs> Minister! <laughs> Drop it! Love for Jesus! Yes, come on! I'm here. Kelly, Kelly! Woo! But yeah, that's my perusing for the next today. What you listening to? Uh, Samo. I, I did not listen to Samo again this week. And for that, I'm going to listen to Samo for four weeks straight because we keep trying my life. Samo. When I go to the airport next week, I'm probably going to listen to Samo several times because I have a tendency to be early because I don't like to be late for stuff. Samo, then. It's going to be Samo. Zeddy. No, this Um... And Youthful Praise has a new CD out, so I started listening really? to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been still on my India kick. Since this is your judge. How did you feel about Beyonce? Her, her CD? Uh-huh. Um, I like Afrobeat. That's what I'm saying. So I'm like... Maybe want to like to do a little dance. I want to like a little African moves because I can't do that. But... It's kind of like, it's not full songs. It's like the songs are like really, really short. It's like, maybe I'm tripping, but it's not, they're not long. And like, it's neat how she, she does like a little snippets from each part of the movie, like a little, a little segment of the movie. Like when Simba's talking to his dad and his like, song comes after that. So okay. each interlude, like, look, I was trying to get an interlude. So each song has one before it. And I'm trying to, I haven't really sat and listened to see like how they all correlate. Mm-hmm. Or if they correlate. But I, because it's Beyonce and her team, they probably all correlate. Gotcha. But it's cool. I mean, I like it. It's all right. It's Beyonce. I'm not a part of the Beehive. But what I can say, these last projects from her, I've really been feeling. And she did her video at Havasu Falls, which now I'm kind of mad because I've always wanted to go to Havasu Falls. But now because the colors know Beyonce did something or the, or the Hive know Beyonce did something there, it's going to be a whole mess. People going to constantly want to go to the doggone falls. I'm just like, no, no, let us have Havasu Falls because that place is beautiful. I've seen pictures. But my best friend lives in Arizona. I've been wanting to go, but you got to hike it. But see, the good thing is black folks might not even hike because they don't like to hike. I'm over you. So... I think I might be safe to still go to it. But I haven't watched that video of Spirit yet. But from what I hear, it's still very Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce-esque now. Okay. Where there's really a spiritual side of it. And I'm black and I'm proud. And I, this is me and standing up in my blackness. Now, that's talk about Jay-Z and the cannabis thing last time? No. So he's a, with some cannabis company. And they're going to, I can't remember directly, but he's, he's like the creative of something or another for this company and it's a cannabis company and they are um he's also working on the laws for those who have been arrested with oh, by, wow so all the, the social justice side of it he's gonna be that part all part of that whole company i'm excited listen that's why i'm excited about beyonce and jay-z these days because they're doing they're doing this work they're doing the good work they're not just you know how you have that performative activism but i think they have that but they're also putting their mouth where their songs are saying mm-hmm. and all the stuff they're doing they're putting putting motion behind it even though I, I could have thought Beyonce could have gave some money to FAMU, but you know, 
where she gave the money. Because is Xavier even an HBCU? Yes. Xavier University in, in New Orleans? I think it's considered. I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember, but I don't think so. I don't think Xavier is. It's not. And okay. she gave money to Xavier. Like, ma'am, how you do homecoming and get something to Xavier? If I, I, I might be wrong. I have to go back and look that up. Well, the majority of your people on your stage were from where? Sam got <laughs> you. All right, all right, all right. Majority but, I mean, on that stage. Okay. Fan. Like, but but, even, but it's HBCU. Okay, so so Xavier is HBCU, but I was just kind of like, uh, I'm, I feel a little better. I'm fine with it. Long as they they black. <laughs> you talking my homecoming, the homecoming experience? You can't give it to these PWIs. I'm sorry, but no, I digress. But I'm glad to see them doing this work and doing it for real. Shout out to Jay Z. Everybody be mad at Jay Z. That was a while back. I meant to say that last time. But everybody be mad at Jay Z about this whole Beyonce thing. Okay, she took it back. Y'all can calm down now. They work their thing out. Mind your business. Touch Mind your, your business, Touch girls your and boys. On the side of Ratchosity. Um, Ratchosity? Ratchosity. Ratchosity. Uh -huh. Okay. We have the old school city girls are back together. Uh, I'm coming to the club shaking my drink. <laughs> Oh, you're talking Prince about Diamond, <laughs> from Crime Mob. They back, they together now. They doing a group. Yes, them too. Interesting. I think huh. that song, that city is called Vagina something. Vagina monologue. Something like that. You got to sit on the Breakfast Club. The Veg. But it's something called like that. Yeah. So now they're doing and not bring Crime Mob back. They're just a duo. I didn't know they were like 14 when they came out. Yeah, they were mad like young. 13 and 14. Two. And she, they were like, the song they recorded was on the radio, and you can hear their mom, like, they did it in their bedroom. And you can hear in the background, their mom was like, who didn't clean these MF and dishes? And they was like, the radio played that version, unmastered, unedited, on un anything on the radio, because so many people in the, in the city were asking for that song. Well, come on, Atlanta. They're from Ellenwood. Ellenwood? I mean, it's still... <laughs> It's still Atlanta, the, the mm -hmm. metro Atlanta area. You know, everybody like, I'm from Atlanta. Don't be from Atlanta, the first. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it for the perusing. And what you listening to? Sorry. Nothing. Pandora. Whatever Pandora play? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got a PJ station. So, it's like PJ. I listen to Yearning. Uh, Samo and Molly mix. And, and Solange. That's the mix. On oh, the that's an interesting mix. Uh -huh. But PJ's coming out with another album yeah, called Paul. Uh-huh. But PJ, he just did a live recording at, at Essence and coming out with a studio album. He's doing his good work. Come on, PJ. We need this music. I so like I got a concert. Go -Go. I'm going to a concert this week. What I'm concert? excited. I'm going to see Jameson Ross and oh, Michael yeah. Kilgore. Like, if y'all haven't listened to Jameson, he's a, he's a jazz musician, percussionist, drummer. But Jameson also sings down. I... I know Jameson back from Tallahassee days, but I actually like his albums. It's like more of a jazz feel. I don't know. I've been in jazz lately. You know, I've been on my jazz judge. I even got a jazz for sleep because sometimes I can't go to sleep. I come in that jazz be like, eh, start slobbing and stuff. You know, I'm not even like a sound person for when I'm trying to go to sleep. But yeah, I'm excited. Have fun. I'm going to. And I can walk from work. Oh. It is the right. Okay. Mm hmm So, no parking for me. Okay. So, we're going to move forward in our conversation. It's our second kind of part of the conversation where we're talking about the church. We have guests this week, and we're going to be right back. So, we can talk to our guests about the church. All things church. Churchisms. Schisms and disms. 
We bike, 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 <laughs> bike again. I hate you. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about church. So we have some guests in the bills yes, on. So we have Renetta here. Good morning. You want your whole name? Your government? Renetta Hobson. Okay, and who else do we have here? Xavier Coombs. So let me give y'all some background on these people. <laughs> I met them in seminary. Cemetery. The cemetery. Listen, <laughs> something when some things get buried, okay, and some things get raised. But um, they become dear, dear friends, yeah. and I thought it'd be a great idea to have them come in when we're talking about church because they have some stuff going on, and also it's it's interesting because we're like me and Hakeem are millennials. And it's also, you know, with the church, it's, we have Generation Xer here today mm-hmm. and another millennial because um, Xavier's a millennial, but he's like, <laughs> and right deep down inside, he's a baby oh, boomer. <laughs> and he's like, what's your for baby boomers? <laughs> silent. He's a silent. Is like, yeah, he just, in, in spirit, he is not a millennial. He's actually, um, Renetta's more progressive than he is. And we got different, he's millennial by age, but by spirit, he is definitely. Oh, before so. the extras, okay? And I say that's important because when it comes to gym, to churches, the generation you fall in is kind of important. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's just from my personal work that I realized that. And also just sitting back and looking like generations. And we always talk about generations in churches. Like how this how this generation did it and how that generation did it. And this new generation they just don't know the Lord. And it's, you know, we always talk about generations. So I think it's important to just say all the generations we have in here. Xavier is, is generation... Um, what are we, Y? Duration, whatever. Generation uh, millennials, but deep down inside, he is definitely before all of us. He's an 80 year old man sitting in the room. But, I, you know, let's recap with them what we talked about, you know, about last week. Well, we started with my journey. <laughs> Most people don't, I grew up in an all black Lutheran church, mm. which is interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I took that, um, Philosophy class. It was a all black. It was a black, a black Episcopalian. She grew up in like the Episcopal church, the original Episcopal church, and I grew up in an all black Lutheran church. And it was like three sister churches that were all black in my hometown. So it was like I didn't know that was weird until I got to school, <laughs> and I was like, oh okay, that's a black different. Lutheran church, yeah. all black. And then when I even went to my grandma's hometown, all black. So Ooh, I didn't know that was weird. One Lutheran lady growing up, she was like an advisor for one of the. Junior Federated Clubs and really, she, yeah, she's a Lutheran, Lutheran church in our neighborhood, but we never went. Was yeah, all black? Never went. <laughs> all black. See, maybe I just listen, but nobody. It was like nobody else was Lutheran. But I grew up in Cascade. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, but I had never heard of a Lutheran, known Lutheran person until I met Hakeem. I knew Baptist. Mm-hmm. I knew AME, Kojic, Holiness, Apostolic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord for all the Apostolic folk. But yeah, so my walk was a lot different than most black people say in church. Um, I wasn't really wasn't really forced to form an ideology or a theology in my church. It was kind of like free form. Like it just you come, you kind of get your own ideal. My grandmother didn't. I wasn't like most grandmothers. I wasn't forced to go to church. By the time when I got old enough, it was like you going to church or no, no. <laughs> 
Unlike or, the black Baptist right. experience. You get up, you go into church, you go into Sunday school, you go into BTU, Red Circle, drinks, biscuits, and we're going to church. But when I was little, very young, I used to get my grandmother up. It's time to go to Sunday school. Because I was the pet. I was like, the organist was who ran Sunday school, and I sat with her at the organ doing Sunday. It was the, the church. Music. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Like, she would bring me stuff right. just for me, and I would sit her doing church at the organ. So I was, as a young child, I was the one going to church. And then I stopped when I got in middle school, when I could just stay home by myself. And then when I got in high school, and I started singing for real, it was like I was going by myself. Interesting. So I was able to develop my own relationship with church. Gotcha. Let me back up. So, we, well, so I met them in seminary. I met y'all in seminaries. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, if people don't know, in seminary you have your certain avenue that you're in. Can y'all speak upon your avenues? Your, you know, what's your your study areas of study, mm-hmm. and what's your what you what's your areas of study? <laughs> Or you can expound on it however you want to. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I came in wanting to be um, a homiletics concentrator. Okay. Uh, it's seminary. You, I mean, you think you're called to preach. You want to preach. And this is a place you learn how to do it. You learn how to do it in practice or practice. And I, that got turned upside down. And I got kind of drawn into... Um, Care and counseling, psychology of religion, and womanist theology. So, I am a womanist theologian. Come on, the womanist. <laughs> Come on, high five for the womanist in the building. Hey. Pastoral care and counseling, and I live at the intersection of those two. Okay. Oh, so well, I'll come back to that. I got a question about the intersection of all of that. Um, come on, Combs. Well, um,. I'm, I'm not much unlike Renetta. I came here wanting to be a homiletics concentrator, and I did. Then I wanted to be a Bible concentrator, and then I wanted to be a um, pastoral care, psychology, religion concentrator, and then I wanted to be a New Testament concentrator. And so, um, <laughs> well, concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> if I had have done all of those required courses, Still I could. <laughs> No, I would have graduated, but I could have been one of the few people who had multiple concentrators. Yeah. I just, because um, I took so many classes and I figured the system out how I could take classes that would count for mm. across and which ones to take. And then I stayed here for the summer. And so um, in my name, in 89 hours, I ended up being able to double concentrate, except I missed one class so I couldn't get the pastoral care because I refused to take um, CPE. CPE. I wasn't ready. Listen. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to take CPE. I wasn't ready for it. Um, I I wasn't ready for CPE. And so um, I ended up concentrating in that. Then I came back for a second degree here. And then during that second time, I really started working on gender, sexuality, preaching, and how those things kind of intersect and come together and um, I wrote my master thesis on um, black masculinity and so if I have to name myself I guess I would be a um, liberation black uh, process theologian 
Okay, so we throwing out terms. <laughs> so let's just break down some of these terms so the people, mm-hmm. so listeners can know. Because I only know because of crystal. <laughs> <laughs> so CPE, what is CPE? So, so we said CPE is one of them. Clinical pastoral, pastoral education. education. And how does that help the church? Or what, why is that something that was been a seminary for preachers or, or pastors or people who want to go into ministry? It helps you to be able to counsel and um, analyze people from a, um, a more clinical background. But the issue is for me that it forces you to deal with stuff in yourself that you weren't ready to deal with, that you, that you, that, that you may or may not be ready to deal with. And so at that time, um, I thought therapy was going to sit on the couch of my mentor and mm-hmm. talking to him. And I did not want to go and deal with that because I still had some issues from childhood and other things that happened that I didn't want to deal with. And so I didn't do it. Now I'll turn up this, to the CPE legend over here. <laughs> not the legend. Not a legend. <laughs> She's a legendary. Because mm-hmm. the category is yes. <laughs> CPE. <laughs> I mean, she said with. You got the reference right now. <laughs> <laughs> her, one of her good friends is the supervisor, the first black woman supervisor of CPE for the city, the state. So she's a legend, you know. She sat with the big dogs. I am not a legend, but I I have sat under some um, good people. Uh, talked a lot to Dr. McCrary uh, while I was at ITC, and uh, under Dr. Slaughter, and my supervision at Midtown. Emory Midtown was under Bridget PJ. I've heard great things about And Bridget. she's excellent. She's good. Um, it's, it, like he said, it makes you look at yourself. makes you do um, uh, some inner work. Uh, you have to do that inner work in order to be able to sit with other people, meet people where they are, and uh, be able to be with people and not impose your ideas of where they should be on their journey, just helps you meet people where they are. So that's pretty much like a break. If you have to break down self before you can help the others, pretty much. And that's that during that process, you go through that as well as learning mm-hmm. the clinical side of everything. Yeah, thinking right. that you know. So it's clinical counseling. At my was done in the thing. hospital. Yeah. Didn't know that was actually a thing. The chaplains at the hospitals. Mm-hmm. That's they what they have go to through. go through. Didn't know. Yeah. You have to get your units. Okay. <laughs> at <laughs> most hospitals, that are using a particular type of accreditation for the chaplaincy. Now, okay. if you go out in the country, you just say you passed the so-and-so, and they and throw they you into in. a chaplaincy. Oh, chap- okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So all, and we still, every, still, church, every church hospital ain't credit equal. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we would still interface with um, pastors from the local churches. They would come in, priests and other pastors and imams and um, other religious leaders from all faiths would come into the um, hospital to visit, you know, their members, people that were in the hospital. But they couldn't necessarily do the work you did in this hospital, though. They could come in and visit, but that's about it. Or did pray, come in, and do whatever they're going to do. And that, and but beyond that, no. I mean, just that it was a regular, that would be a, just a regular um, pastoral visit. But okay. the thing with pastors in the community, you're able to go back. You visit that one patient, and then you go back. Well, in CPE, you're immersed in the environment all day, and sometimes you're on charge, and that may be a whole weekend. You're in the hospital. You're responding to everything in the hospital. The pastor, the local pastor, may not respond to everything, to a cold, or they may come when the person 
passes away or just um, when they're sick. But the chaplain has to be there at every moment. Okay. So, homiletics. Homiletics. Yes. What is, homile what is homiletics? Mm -hmm. Homiletics is the art of preaching. It is, um, most folk think that I'm a preacher and I get a word from the Lord and and um, I can just get up there and say what I want to say. But if you are a true homiletician, if you went to <laughs> seminary, you understand that preaching is an art form. And not only is it an art form, but it is a science. It's a study. And um, those of us who are really serious about it, for every minute that we're up there, we have invested at least 45 minutes to an hour of study. Um, in some way, in some way, and that study may include prayer, it may include um, reading that text 20,000 times, it may include translating the text for those of us who speak and read and write Hebrew and Greek, it may be getting, the for those of us who don't, it may be taking that text and taking it to the tools that we know, that we know to use to translate that text. To figure out what it's saying, it may be a combination of all of those things, and in most cases, it is a combination of all of those things. And so, homiletics is a is a very um, it's a dying art form because everybody just wants to grab a mic and everybody just wants to talk. That's preaching right there. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> what you have to say about it? Because I know that's your thoughts. I know we had conversations where you know, with me and my journey with churches, you know. Um, at first, you know, coming from Lutheran, the hoop and the holler got my attention. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up going to a different type of church because, oh, this is interesting. I don't know what's going on. Let me listen to them. But as I grew, I'm like, okay, you just yelling. I don't know what you just said. And I've, I've gotten to the point where I want to be taught, like, teach me something before you start <laughs> doing all this extra. Like, I want to be, like, teach I want to see that you did me. some good work. Because I'm educated. I understand text and I understand when someone has actually did the work of a text. And I don't want you to just be spewing something. Well, my grandma said this and the old preacher said this. And I'm just like, but do you actually believe that? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you do your own work? Did you do your own study before you saying what this person said? And that's just, that's why I like, I like that. And I think it's like, like the climate of a lot of parishioners now because they're educated. Black folks are highly educated. Some yeah. of them just, you know, they like the old way. But some other parishioners are being highly, highly educated. There's nothing wrong with the old way. But we got to learn how to infuse those things. Yeah. And I think we do a horrible job at that. I'm just going to yeah. say that. Yeah. We do a horrible, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, a piss poor job. But let's talk about infusing because I'm big on that tradition versus traditionalism. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I think a lot of times we get caught up in that tradition versus traditionalism, because everybody was like, tradition, tr traditionalism is the same thing. No, it's not. It's not. Let's speak on it. Who want to go first? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Why? You brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> you done? <laughs> or you finished? <laughs> but no, okay, for me, I can't think of the quote. It's, and I used it in my thesis, my master thesis. Um, but pretty much it overall says that like, traditionalism is the issue with the with the faith, that's that's the dying that's the dying cause of the, the faith of the okay. faith. Tradition itself is alive and is living. 
which means it evolves, it, it changes over time. It may have some of the foundation. Of course, it's built on a foundation, but it evolves as we evolve as people, as society. All of a sudden, they influence the church. Okay. So we always try to say, oh, the tradition is... No, 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 it's just traditionalism. It's soaked in traditionalism, and it's not tradition. Okay. So there's some things we can do that Grandma and them did, but we have to make it work for now. Because already, we already got the foundation from Grandma and them and the old preachers and all that stuff, but now we have to look at this tradition. How can we revamp this tradition to still hold the essence of what it is, but also speak to the now? Okay. So a lot of times we don't do that, and it's just like traditionalism is what's killing our churches. It's not the tradition. Okay. That's my thing. Three word. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. I, sometimes I think we confuse like tradition and ritual. Like you said, the the hoop and the holler mm-hmm. got your um, attention. That's the hoop and, and the holler was kind of birthed out of our experiences in slavery. Okay. Um, the expression that preachers, speakers, people that were passionate about God and moving towards freedom that I mean that was just a tool used I don't I wouldn't say that um, the hoop and the holla is necessarily it, it is part of our tradition it's part of our heritage but um, I wouldn't say that is the totality and I wouldn't say leave it out of um, leave it as we grow it's, it's we can take it with us yeah when I first started, when I first started <laughs> preaching, I'm interesting. I, I knew I was called to preach as a little boy, but I wouldn't do it because um, everybody was always talking about me. You know, he gonna be a preacher, and I didn't want to do it. Then my dad started preaching, and I definitely didn't want to do it when he started preaching because um, I because I got tired of folk always saying he gonna be just like his daddy. So I was like, I'm definitely not gonna preach now. Um, so I have a unique position is that I finally accepted my call to preach while I was in college. But the pastor was interesting, we'll put it that way. And so I had to come back home. And um, I didn't preach my initial sermon until after I started seminary. Um, really? Yeah. I've known you this long. I did not know this. Yeah, Same I, for me. I didn't preach my, fir- my <laughs> well, initial sermon. I've never ser- done it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Same for me. You did. It was in your preaching class. But, um, <laughs> but I... Um, yeah, I, so I, I didn't preach my initial sermon until I got here because when I came back home, I came back to the church I grew up in. Not the church my dad was pastoring, but the church where I grew up in. And um, I went to that church, and he pretty much was like, yeah, you're preaching. We're going to do this. You're already in seminary. So, you know, my date came about eight months after I had already started seminary. So I was already taking classes. My mind was already starting to be stretched. Mm. I was already starting to um, de- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Another D. Um, I don't know, I'm taking it apart. What's the word I'm looking for? Deconstruct. 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 Thank you, my mom would play. <laughs> Deconstruct my theology, my thoughts. And so when I first started preaching, I wouldn't hoop. Okay. Would not do it. Not you. I was like, I'm not going to be another ignorant Baptist preacher. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so I would get up there, and it, I would feel it. I'm about to at tears and crying. I'm shaking, and folks are screaming in church, and I would just go sit down. I'm done. And folks was just like, give me something. And I was like, no, that's what you got. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't hoop when I first started preaching for about six months. And funny story, one of the preachers was like, I will not pay you, boy, if you don't, if you don't hoop. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and I looked at what I needed to eat. <laughs> 
And I looked at all the bills and I said, where the Lord is. And the whole church went crazy. <laughs> and he said, I, I need more. I need more. And I, and I changed about four keys. And he was like, here you go. And I need to give you more. And I was like, well, dang, maybe I am going to hoop. And so that was for me. It's the whole hooping thing. I don't think it should be monetized. <laughs> right. No, I, I hoop will be monetized. <laughs> And I, t- I say that to say that no, I wrestled with that, though. I, I tell that funny story to say I wrestled with the tradition versus traditionalism mm-hmm. because initially I was thought that was traditionalism. And I was like, I don't want to be that ignorant preacher. I wanted to be someone who was articulate and very and, and able to, you know, get people's minds. And I even prayed for that. And now mm-hmm. I, 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 I regret some of my prayers now because God will give you just a jazz for But um, that was my thing. That, and so I, I, so I get the argument. But I'm with Renetta in that we can bring it along because eventually I learned that the hoop did not make me uneducated. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that the hoop did not lessen what I was saying if what I said had been prepared. Mm -hmm. I mean, two people in our tradition, Dr. Gina, and and she will be double doctor soon, Dr. Gina Stewart, can who? Can she? (laughs) Listen. And Dr. Marcus Cosby, can Uh who? They're both out of Baptist tradition, so, you know, and they're both lettered and Dr. learned. Stewart, Dr. Matt King Carter. Dr. Matt King Carter. I mean, Dr. Ariel <laughs> White. Yeah, so the thing I, is, I guess going. the, the yeah. issue is, is that we don't have enough of that. Yeah. We ha- it's there, but you just got to know who you know. You know, type of thing, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say oversaturated, but we are saturated with, still, with a lot of, of preachers that's just not really doing that good work of that study yeah. and, and yeah. you know the and it was, gives it it gives it a, it gives a hoop a bad name because yeah. these like um Dr. Gina Stewart is not mainstream to some millennials to some they may not know who they she is they need to know is. who she is yeah so i mean and they may associate like a hooping preacher with somebody that's Unlettered and unlearned because that's, that's the rise of the, the mega case. church that caused that. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I'm it's not sorry. the case anymore. And as much as I love the mega church, I grew up in the mm-hmm. mega church. I grew up in the church that was the first black mega church in Atlanta. I know some folks are gonna try to argue me, but we got the Guinness Book of World Records on our side. You got the um, proof. You got, got the receipts. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's what they call it. But we got Guinness Book. I of told World you he's eighty. I told him that's what they call it. Uh, we got the we got the Guinness Book of World Records. The first black church to be um, to be the fastest growing church in America was the church I grew up in. And um, but he's also a seminarian. But he also will who at eighty almost eighty years old will still holler. Mm. Um, and so. I grew up with that experience, but I say all that to say is that the rise of the mega church where it was charismatic, mm-hmm. you no longer need an education. Right. You had to have a sound. And so we had the rise of churches where preachers were, had 20,000 members, had no education, but because they had 20,000 members, that gave them legitimacy. And mm-hmm. so then, because, and because they had the numbers. Because if you look in the history of the black church, like Zonetta just mentioned, I'm a, his, I'm a history teacher by profession. Mm-hmm. So if you go back and look at the history books, black Baptists have always been educated. Mm-hmm. Some of our most, our most well-known preachers and most well-known theologians that were black Baptists. Um, it wasn't until the rise of the megachurch and this movement towards urbanization that we saw a lot of the black intelligent 
preachers start going to other denominations and the Baptists just focus on the hoop because they were trying to grow numbers because the mega church and that mega well-knownness had, and urbanization had caused folk to want to do that. That's a whole other study. I guess I could yeah. make that a study. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Spelman. The only reference is the Baptist church. So, so people know they're yeah. Baptists. Yeah. Spelman, Morehouse School of Religion. Morehouse College. Morehouse College all came out of the Baptist Church. Morehouse College came out of Friendship Baptist Church. Out of the basement. Of the Come on, basement. y'all history. <laughs> Come on, histories. And it would not have been Morehouse College had it not been Morehouse School of Religion, but Morehouse College folks don't like to talk right. about that because then that means they have to redeal with their history. Yeah. But that's a whole other Shout out to MSR, yeah, our alum. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> so with that being said, we're talking about education. Yeah. Education and preachers. Thoughts. You still think it's a need? Oh, yes. You gotta have it. You can, it's like love and marriage. You can't have one without the other. I like this. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. So like but it's also like finance, without, it's like finance without romance. In the finance and <laughs> romance, you can't have one without the other either. No okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's, um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, don't want to keep it too long, you know. Um, but I have a question. Since we talked about pastoral care and pa- well, other folks like the pastoral. I hate that. There is no I in pastoral care. We talk about pastoral care and trauma in the church. Mm-hmm. Trauma is a real thing. Trauma yeah. looks different. It could be sexual trauma. I think it could be just emotional trauma. Um, so... The, one of the top things I think of when I think of trauma in the church is one, church hurt. Two, because that's a form of trauma. Second, I think of um, sexual trauma, because we've seen a lot of that in church. Um, and we speak from a context of black church. So a lot of stuff, our stuff will be referenced, we will, of course, be talked about the black church. So um, let's start with church hurt. And because so many people have left the church because, of course, it's, it's been a big exodus period in the church. Mm-hmm. They try to say it's millennials. Mm-hmm. We might be the biggest group, but I think Generation Xers have left. I think there's a lot of a lot of generations have gone out of the church because whether it's from church hurt or they've been, you know, just a kind of form of church hurt. Been done by and they're dying. And they're dying, too. Yeah. So death, church hurt, and other types of trauma is what I think really is like a good reason why we're seeing a lot of churches get smaller. Perfect storm. So with church hurt, how would you all counsel someone through that? Because if they're coming to your to your space, and, and you know what I'm saying, because ch- church hurt is a thing. Sometimes you get people that may stay, but a lot of times they leave or they come back. Like, Let me try this one more time. Because I, what I understand about black folks and spirituality is that's that's just a part of us, and it's a part of our DNA. Wherever mm-hmm. we go, we just spiritual folks. Right. So how would you, for lack of a better term, counsel someone through that? Or even if it's a friend that's gone through church hurt, being that you all are preachers. I, I asked Renetta if I could go first because I'm I'm purposely going first so I can leave give it to her. Um, um set it up to give it to her, to volley it <laughs> over to her. Is that you have to know your 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 strengths and your weaknesses. I know that when people start talking about church, I'm a church boy, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in church, I don't know nothing but church. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, church hurt is like riding a bicycle and falling off and scraping your knee. It's part for the course. So for me, so for me, church hurt, I've been hurt so many times. Like I said, the pastor was interesting. I said that because I'm I'm becoming a pastor, so I'm not going to talk about him and put this stuff out there. But I was hurt. He did, he, said, he said and did some things that, that um, took me about three or four years on top of being in seminary to just heal from. I'm just now realizing who Zay is and bringing all those pieces back together. Um, 
So I know my strength. So I don't try to counsel people necessarily when it comes with church hurt. That's good. Mm-hmm. I pray for you, and I tell you, you need to go find somebody that you can talk to. And for me, a lot of times when folks ask me, I turn them to Renetta. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, uh, I'll speak about my own experience, and then I'll talk about, uh, I guess, if I can, uh, and I'll try to be as concise as possible. Um, when I grew up in the church, I didn't experience church hurt. My uh, The church that I was baptized in, my mother was a member there, grandmother, whole family. Um, and the pastor was sweet. He was kind. He was kind to the members. I never saw anything. I never heard anything about uh, him being abusive in the church or otherwise in the community. When we saw him on the street, he stopped and talked to my grandmother for hours um, on the street. And he was just a, a good person in the community. When I moved to Tuscaloosa, same with um, that church, the church of, I would say, my um, young adult. Well, middle school to like maybe high school before I went off. Um, the pastor was uh, community-minded. Um, never got into anything in the church or outside of the church, to my knowledge. I never experienced any church hurt there. Um, but I know people do. I know people experience church hurt. There's been um, cases of abuse in the church, um, other types of um, uh, abuses that happen in the church and that push people away. Um, as, a, as the church, we need to do better. Period. How do we do better? Address it. Uh, if the the pastor, I mean, the pastor needs to be in counseling. I think all mm-hmm. all pastors should have a pastor and a therapist um, because you cannot counsel people if you are problem saturated with your and you mm-hmm. you're stuck in your own stuff. You cannot counsel people. You you will bleed on them. You will bleed on them. And get you a past, a good pastor, somebody you can talk to, um, and a therapist. Because uh, the, for the pastor, the will know the pastoral side. The therapist will help you with your stuff and how to deal with things that may hurt you or trigger you, so you don't bleed on other people. Okay. So, so I mean, d- to deal with it, you got to be. I mean, you know, leadership has to be healthy. Don't allow your leaders to bleed on mm. people. Don't allow your leaders to hurt people or wound people That's good. in the church. Um, mm-hmm. I will say just a, a little bit about church hurt in my adult experience. Fast forward all of these years, I um, went through a church split. Uh, I was on staff as a youth pa- pastor at Thankful in the, in the church split. Um, and... That was a little, I mean, it's a, it's a loss. You lose your church family. I let, When the pastor left, I left. So um, I did go through a little bit of uh, church hurt with that. And I found another church and started to work and serve there. Um, but there again, making sure you have healthy leaders, making sure the the team is, uh, is healthy. And... Uh, background checks on people so that you don't put people in leadership who have issues with certain types of abuses. Uh, Like, I'll say um, at Park Avenue, being on the youth um, 
team working with the kids, you ha you're required to have um, a background check to serve in, in that ministry. I think most ministries should do that. But a lot of ministries yeah, aren't. Yeah, a lot of ministries don't. And just using them as an example. That and that's, that's the business side of church yeah. that people need to get a grip on. Like, come on, let's get these, these background, background checks, checks done. Because <laughs> you, like, I worked in child abuse for, in the state of Florida, I did child abuse cases for two years. And background checks are very important because, like, even if they don't have... Um, if a criminal record of sexual abuse or things like that, there are different things on that history that can lead you to understand, okay, maybe I shouldn't put this person with kids. Mm -hmm. So these background checks are very important. If a teacher got to do it, I feel like if there's an adult that's going to be watching over kids. And we can't turn a blind eye to it. Exactly. And that's just addressing the sexual trauma. In yeah, the yeah. I'm not just gonna say practically from a from a business. You, you brought business sense. From a business sense, that is you need to do it because it removes culpability, liability yes. from you. Just by saying what well, we did, this background check and nothing showed up. That t that helps you with your liability, culpability. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I know that sounds very very harsh, but I'm a school teacher as well, and so I get it because that's why a lot of school systems do that. One because it weeds out. The people who can't, but two, if something goes down and say, Well, we did what we could, we did our due diligence, mm -hmm. and it helps you because you also need to have a good um, insurance policy. <laughs> that um, <laughs> I'm learning that as we're that as Renetta and I, uh, we haven't officially said it in this broadcast, but we're starting a church, talk about and um, and that's one of the things that I last week I sent them a text and we hadn't got to it yet in our meetings, but we got to get some insurance. I don't care who we building, we using, and they got insurance because what they're not going to do is come take my little $2 and my car because somebody got mad or got hurt it's at the church. Because yeah, I'm like the, you know, I, I grew up with the blues. My granddad sang the book, played the blues all the time, and I was about to say these last $2. I'm not going to lose. They're going to take my last $2. Listen, and I'm not going to the hole in the wall either to hide. The hole in the wall. Come on, come on. So, That's what I grew up. Um, That's what my mama listened to. Oh. Listen, so we're going to have some sermons like that too. But anyway, um, yeah. Oh, praise so, the Lord, sermons like that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Um, so, yeah. You said you was going to bring that up. About Kurt? Yeah. I remember. About the Opal situation. Oh, yes. You could have just said that. I didn't know what you were going to say about <laughs> it. No, just, okay, so you have, have you seen the video with Kirk? Kirk the, Franklin? And, and the white guy fussing at him? No, no that's what I talked about earlier. No. It's Kirk and the singer on Sunday Best. I he's, okay, so he's he's apologizing to her that we've like the church has made singers feel like you have to have um, this holler or these runs or you're not anointed. Oh yes, this Sunday we're <laughs> preaching. I was going to ask that question. Do you think the church has done a poor job? Because if, if I'm Renata, Renata's a hooper, but that'll make her less anointed. Right. Well, she is. she got a little something <laughs> in her, but I know she got a little. She was just start shaking it. Goes, yeah, oh, you know, like she, I not was say she's more right, but Renata hasn't. But I think not at often, home on the road. Right. <laughs> but like Renata's more this mellow person. So, do you feel as preachers that the church has done preachers wrong in that sense too? If you ain't got a nasty hoop or a clean yeah, hoop, as yeah. they say, you're not saying nothing. I just told you I wouldn't. It was churches I went to; they wouldn't pay me until I did. Exactly. So I just wanted to bring that up because because Kurt really apologized. And as a vocalist, like for me as a vocalist, I don't. I'm not a for real a runner, and I, I don't. I don't holler for real. You know what I'm saying? So, come. Okay, I'll start back. Lutheran Church, that wasn't a thing anyway. We sung hymns. So, 
I was the him person, so I can I can yes, I can tell him you person. him. I can probably figure out a him in a few minutes because I did it all my life. So I wasn't expected to run or holler in my church right. for somebody to feel that I had the anointing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Fast forward, I went to another church where there were more people that had that ability to do these type of things. I felt like my ability was lessened. And I was more less inclined to want to sing because I wouldn't get the same reaction. So I just felt like that's something that the black church has really like dampened a lot of, a lot of people's will and want to serve in the capacity that they're able to in the church because... They're, this is lessened because they don't have the same skill set as other people. And I'm going to pick it back off of it because being a worship leader for um, Jesus, um, 10 years, um, and Hakeem and, Hakeem and other people have said this to me, like, at, at my core, I'm not a runner. But over as years progressed, I've picked up some of that, which is not even my thing, but because of the nature of vocalists, I've lost my core sweetness or whatever you have y'all described it. My core of what who I was before I tried yeah. to gra- gravitate to the more popular things of styles of leading worship. So now I'm lost. Honestly, so I'm trying to get back to I don't even know I, when they say it, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. All I know is the now. So I'm like kind of like now I'm trying to figure out how not to more so running songs because mm-hmm. I'm I like I'm I'm a fan of Jill Scott. Jill don't run it off to his morph inflections and stuff she does. Yeah, it's a message. I love that about Jill Scott. She tells and a story. She still That's sings. what it's storytelling. Right. Story and so I feel like sings. I've gotten somewhere along the line, I felt like I've had to comp- well, child. I feel like I've had to compete with the other people I've been in ministry with. Because and it's just insecurities insecurities play a factor yeah. in that. And it's just like Almost in a space, and I'm, I'm gonna back. I'm gonna give my explain, explanation of how I felt in another space. It was almost like I was. You get a shiny toy. The pastor would get a new shiny toy, and it was like I'm gonna let them just sing and, and I'll do all these runs and extra stuff. But then when it, when it, when it's time to get on their clutch and that fall back, I was the pickup. I was the old raggedy doll, your your favorite doll that you had, the the most the the, the, the doll you can depend on. And then it was just like, oh, I get a new shiny toy. Oh, it's just take a back seat for a little while. But I know when I need you in the rough, I got you. You hear my pocket. And it was like, okay, the shiny toy is old. Let me get her back. Now, there's a new shiny toy. Ta-da, it's red and shiny. So as that messes with your psyche, even as a worship leader, as you minister through music. So that's my judge on that. So um, I know we got to wrap this up, but I got two more things to ask. Go ahead. And, um, yeah, any more questions? I feel like no. I've, been, I've been asking so no. many questions. So, when it comes to, since we're both musicians, Hakeem and I, and you all are preachers, there's this constant battle, I feel, between preachers and singers. And I saw something on Facebook about, you know, somebody asked the stupid question of which one was more important. And... I just, I just, I just don't, I don't, like, that's very divisive, and I, I don't like that, mm-hmm. because being a, a, I've been a minister of music, I've been a worship leader, I just, I'm not a preacher, Xavier, <laughs> quit that, uh, I, I don't mind teaching a thing or two, but I am not a preacher, but 
um, it damages relationships between the pastor and the worship leader or whoever if we have that type of ego going into it. It's like, but I'm, but I'm, but on the same token, because we can say both things. I know a lot of people that got saved through a song, and I'm sure you know people that got saved through a message. But a lot of people say it's a song, but it's not for us to compete. Again, I'm going to say I grew up interestingly. Yeah, I'm gonna say it like that. Y'all sing, y'all Baptist preachers um, sing. I grew up very, so. in a very, I grew up in a very interesting tradition in that the pastor of the church that I grew up in before my father started pastoring was a singer, countless albums, mm-hmm. owned a record company, um, and was a preacher. My father, countless records, owns a record company, and is a preacher. My sister. Um, is a praise and worship leader. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sings... I, it, it's probably one of my favorite singers ever. Um, I think she sings better than my daddy. I say it on record all the time. But okay. m- more folk know my dad, so they go with my dad singing. But my sister is amazing. So for me, it is a part of the worship experience, but I don't have a problem with it because I grew up with singing... Mm-hmm. With singers and preachers. I mean, I could go through the list of my family who has recorded or ha- or who are singers or who are well known in certain cities and certain towns for being musicians and singers. So for me it's a it's okay. a, it's not a for me personally it's not a um a issue. It's not a fight. It's not a, a, a either or. Mm-hmm. It's both. I need both. I need a good music department. I can't hear the word if the music department ain't good. Mm-hmm. But also, on the same token, if you get up there with a horrible message and it ain't good, it throws away everything that choir just did for me. And so I need both because I grew up with both. And I, I guess that's all I'm okay. going to say. Okay. Okay. Um, it's churches. I mean, it's different things going on at one time. But if you don't have preaching in church, you're at a concert. You're at a, you're, I mean, if you take the preacher out of the pulpit um, and you just come to hear the choir, that's a concert. You add pre- preaching into it, the proclamation of the word, then you have what we know as church. If you take the preaching away, it's not that it is, I think they work in tandem, but the preaching is part of the worship experience if you and i love a good evening i call you know y'all know i will reach out to y'all because i'm country i like a good singing but if it's just singing you know it's just singing you take the if you take but then the, what about those people that say they come to church just for the singing because that's where they get the word from but and, I, and that's fine why you come but the proclamation of the word while you're what, there makes church and I'm, and I'm, no, I said that's part of the worship experience, experience. that rounds okay, okay. it out. And okay. I am just like the liturgical dance. The opposite of that. Yeah. I'm one of those preachers that the choir can sing so good, and if it's the moment and the spirit moves, I can say, "No preacher, let's go home." We ain't got to hear no sermon. Why do pastors struggle with that? I saw an argument on Facebook about that as well. Yeah. And I don't struggle. struggle I've been it. in a service like that and I left out a high time in the Lord. Fine by me. I've seen a lot of preachers struggle with <laughs> that. But it's not going to happen every something. Sunday. No. No, <laughs> no it, it shouldn't happen. Right. If it happens every Sunday, something is wrong. Right. But there are that may be a string of Sundays where it does happen though. Yeah. It may be that you fine. ask for God to move and God comes in and it just it's an humbling experience as a preacher that you are not needed. That God did what God needed to do without you. Right. Now, I don't think that denigrates, as um, James Cohen would say. And I'm not denigrating <laughs> the, um, the, the, the preacher. But what I am saying is, is that 
we need to realize that we're that we're equally important in in worship and in flow, yeah. and that one can that there will be services where there will be none of right. either one, right? That's okay. right. And both of either one, yeah. and a mix of either one. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There may be some Sundays because I grew up in Atlanta where there was a very well known preacher who told the choir to stop singing, mm-hmm. and oh. that, and that was no music because we can't do this and killed it, <laughs> and the church grew. And then there was times where he would get up and say, the Lord moved through this. I'm just going to prophesy. I'm just going to lay hands and pray. And so, you know, it just depends on, I, I don't think it should be an argument. Me I mean, and yeah, I don't think it should be an argument or a debate about it. But, you know, if you, the way we do church, you know, you have sacred texts. And in the sacred texts, the one that the church uses, um, that we know as a church, is the Bible. I mean, Jesus stood in the temple and read from the scroll. That's part of the worship experience. You that's can, the tradition. The, yeah, that's the tradition of the... But what... Okay, so if you take the tradition of Jesus and reading from the scroll out, then you good? Y'all good? You know, you good with that? I mean, I think the way we preach, I think the way we reach people should change. That should ref, reflect the cultural times that we live in. I mean, preaching is a sacred art. And your art is supposed to reflect the times. That's what Nina, Nina, Nina Simone said. <laughs> Nina yeah. Simone said. Yeah, she did. So, so it, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't cut y'all off. No, 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 that's fine. So, so we can wrap this on up. There's some stuff that y'all are about to do. I had one more question, but I ain't going to touch. I wanted to touch sex in the church and the sexuality and all that stuff. But we'll, that'll, we'll, we'll say that for you. Y'all have to come back for that one. Because I'm just going to say that I watched something on TV. And this girl, she was a virgin. And she just married at first sight. And she's religious. And you know, she did for religious purposes. And they had to do this. this um, I'm, we could come back to this another time. But they had to do this, this activity that helped with their intimacy. And a lot of times we say, I almost think intimacy and we think sex. But it's some more than that. Right. But that's, we're going to come back and talk about sexuality. Right. Y'all have to come back for that one. <laughs> and... And she cringed every time he talked about sex. And in my head, I was like, we've done so much damage in the church right. as it pertains around us as sexual, sexual beings yeah. and who we are as sexual people. And just, we've done so much on it. She could not have a basic conversation with her husband about sex because she was just like, it was just crazy. So we have to come back and talk about sexuality. Because we told folks that sex was Jezebel when Jezebel had nothing to do with sex. If you go back and read Jezebel, she was about power and position. She right. she may have used a little sex, but how many of y'all... Never mind. So... You <laughs> we got to back on that. Yeah, but, so I just... You know, that's when we've yeah. done some trauma on that, yeah. And... Just to say, just add a little, bit Let's wait a little bit of it. Okay, just okay, okay. We, y'all, we run a little longer than usual, but that's got, fine. It's a good conversation. This got to be had. Let's because it, it. I was like, dang, we have traumatized people you to have. be not understand their bodies mm-hmm. and who we are. But that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years to Sorry, weird, to, Sorry. To, to, <laughs> to Europeans when they when they had this issue that the body was 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 bad and that. They had this Christian ideal, Catholic Church, yeah. that the body needs to be put under subjection and, and self-flagellation and all of these things right here. And then we have this humanist movement that comes, you know, during the Renaissance and all that stuff. So, and what we're seeing now is European thought. We're still fighting with that. Because black folk in Africa, when they was Christian and when they was having other religion, walked around butt naked and, and nobody thought about it. And it wasn't an uneducated thing. It wasn't a heathenistic or a hedonistic thing. It mm-hmm. was just... It's your body. God gave it to us. We honored it. Women walked around with no tops on and nobody was being raped in Africa. 
The history books don't tell us that story, not until Europeans come. So that's a Europe, European idea of we have to deny the flesh and the flush. Mm -hmm. The flesh is bad and the body is bad. But when God said, I made all things good. And so the conversation really is not sexuality and the church. The conversation is sexuality. Mm -hmm. Okay. Embody. And, and how do we embody Period. That? And we're just afraid to bring that into the, the church because we don't understand that your sexuality is part of who you are. It doesn't stop at that church door or wherever you have mm -hmm. church. It doesn't stop. You don't check your sexuality uh, at the door when you come to church. It's, you, you're bringing that. You're bringing your full, if you are an integrated person, mm -hmm. you're bringing your full self into any space you go to. Then we lied and said that Eve ate from this tree. And said that the, that, the, that the fruit was sex or oral sex or whatever. I've heard some crazy stuff. And I'm sitting there going, no, the fruit, it is what it was. It's a metaphor, but we don't know what the metaphor means. She just did something she wasn't supposed to do. And we're guilty of that. We have isolated that yeah. text to death. To death. I'm talking about death. All church. A.M.E. Pentecostal. We have everybody. Everybody. Who, because who we took up the white folk sex? neighbors. The white folk. And who said it was Eurocentricity. Yeah. And we took it because they wouldn't let us preach no other way except for in the hush harbor and the brush harbor. Uh -huh. So we went back in the back and we said what they said while they were listening. And then that became just a part of what Because a lot of stuff we say that the Bible says it ain't no what in. And yes, I use the word ain't. I have multiple degrees. I'm very educated. But I say ain't, ain't. in the Bible. And so, like, cleanliness is next to godliness. Not in there. <laughs> well, we have a couple we, we need to be about Bible study about what ain't in the Bible. Let's talk about what's not, what the Bible don't say. Right. What the Bible don't say. Let's talk about no, that. We're talking about sexuality. LGBTQ folk going to hell. It ain't in there. <laughs> You it's want to sit three in the verses about you wrestle, right? It's three verses about LGBTQ in the text, and Jesus ain't in one of them. <laughs> Not a one of them. Not a nail one. But we are the church, and the, the church is built upon Jesus. Got up, honey. Come on, come I'm on, just, Reverend. I'm just Reverend! We talk about everybody, and then if you don't, and then if you don't walk in this uber masculine sense, then you must be dealing with your. No, I just don't. I don't have to grab my jock every twenty minutes to say who I am. Listen, good God. I we have so much to talk about. I don't know what to do. It's just so much in the church. But, but me and Renetta got a meeting, to, and, and so do I minister no. music in 12 minutes. Don't so, do that. <laughs> yes. okay, I minister so. music is crystal, y'all. Don't do that. Worshiping arts. <sighs> Anyway, let's let's wrap this up. So when you were doing the thing, you know, well, the city of Atlanta. Church, church. Yes. Let's talk about it in 12 minutes. We need we, 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 in, in three minutes. Yeah, about say two, two or three. Okay, I'll start off. Um, God gave me a vision. I was a little kid. Wrestled from it, ran from it, didn't want to do it. About two years ago, Renetta walked up to me and said, Lord, call me to help you birth out your vision, Pastor. You're going to be my pastor. And I was like, you're crazy. All right, but we need to go clean these buildings so we can get this checked. So let's go clean these buildings <laughs> and we're going to talk. Seminary duty. So it's a little bit longer than two years. I exaggerate. But again, that's where it came out. And then we, we left it alone. She laughed. I laughed. We moved along. Um, Renetta came back up. Again, about two years ago, for real, legitimately. And I was like, hey, we, are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Are we going to get this thing done? And so uh, we played around with it. And then six months ago, it just got real. We both were just like, okay, now we can't keep running from this. And all of a sudden, we sat down and Love Fellowship Church Atlanta um, just started taking form. And people started giving and people started coming. And then Crystal joined. And that's my take on it. And I'll shoot it over to Renetta, and she can say what she got to say. She don't like to talk, so that's why I just keep shooting it over to her. Shoot her that <laughs> shot there. 
Uh, same thing. You know, I had a, a vision as a child that I, I'd speak and people would be there. So that was my call to preaching. Fast forward, met Xavier, and don't know why God joined us together to birth this thing out. Because y'all but, <laughs> but we love each other. We work well. We we fight. Um, yes. But we, we, we work well together. And um, I think we that we are... We're um, trying to do church differently. Uh, we're trying to create and cure, not to sound cl cliche, but curate a healing space for people that are churched out, that have left the church, uh, and people that, you know, know nothing of the church to come in and join us as we become Love Fellowship. Excited about the journey. You got any questions, Hakeem? No. Good. Well, we had to clean, wrap this up quick, but Atlanta is coming in, in 2020. This one is coming to Atlanta. Follow the Instagram so you can get more information. You follow them on Instagram to find out more information about the church and the upcoming events. As pre-launch, the Instagram is Love Fellowship Atlanta. I think I'm probably wrong, but um, Love Fellowship Church Atlanta. Yeah, because somebody like this. Yeah, Love Fellowship Church Atlanta. <laughs> so follow. I'm an Atlanta native, straight from the. Southwest side of Atlanta, but Atlanta is always spelled out, and it's not pronounced Atlanta, it's pronounced Atlanta. Atlanta, it's Atlanta. Yeah. I'm going to pronounce all those letters. Um, come out, and be more interested in meetings if you're interested in looking mm -hmm. for a church home. Um, yeah. So, this any more questions, Hakeem, got anything? No. I think Hakeem's going to be one of our singers, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, peace, love, and haggeries, and we appreciate you for this. Thank you. Thank and, you. And thank y'all for coming. Thank you so much. Y'all, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation. We'll be back in a few Bye. next time. Not not again, but like next time we'll record this to the next episode. <laughs> and it was about and we didn't get to talk about the Exodus, but we'll come back and have some more church stuff. Uh -huh. and have y'all come back in. Thank you. Have All a right. best day. Bonsoir. Au revoir. <laughs> I couldn't even get it out. <laughs>